Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hey, good morning, PCC. My name is Jonathan. I'm one of the student pastors here on staff, and I am so excited just to be with you this morning. And if you're new or if you're coming back to us after a long time, uh, we're so glad that you're here. You are always welcomed as a part of our community. Um, but if you're new, that means you probably aren't aware that we started a new series called One Kingdom Indivisible. And this series is this idea that we're going to look at the entire narrative of Scripture And we're going to start encouraging the church and asking them, what would it look like if we started putting our kingdom allegiance over our earthly alliances? And what we believe is going to happen when we start to do that, we're going to start seeing the division of our world start being healed by unity within the church. And so we're excited today. I'm going to be diving into the book of Exodus. Uh, If you were here last week, Gary shared through Genesis a little bit of how the kingdom of God was formed, what it was supposed to look like, and then how sin messed it up. And then today in Exodus, we're going to look at a story when God shows up and he starts calling out his people to be the kingdom he expected them and wanted them to be. But before we do that, I just want to take some time. I want to pray for you, pray for this message, um, and we will dive in. I'm going to ask that you hold your hands out like this with me. Jesus, uh, Lord, we thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for your grace, for your mercies, for your presence that is here with us now as we record, but also with us as we are with our families enjoying this service, Lord. I pray that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray that your word would come alive and that it would be known by people and it would soften hearts today. We thank you, Jesus, and we love you. I pray all this in your good, your holy, and your powerful name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, so I have a question. Have you ever been called out before? Like, have you ever had a family member, a friend, um, an employer, a, a coworker call you out on something? They caught you in a lie. You did one thing and you said you're going to do another. Uh, you totally forgot that you had an appointment and you just missed it. And they called you out on not being there. Like, have you ever just been called out? Uh, I remember I was called out for my faith once. Um, I was a senior in high school, and if you know a little bit of my story, you know that my senior year is when I accepted Christ, and I kind of started this adventure with Jesus. Uh, I didn't know what life with Jesus was going to look like. I didn't know how it was going to look. All I knew is that I wanted to follow Jesus a little bit more, and so I just started. To, I just jumped into this journey, um, and I remember being in my English class one time. I was a senior year. Uh, I was a second semester senior, so I may or may not have forgotten to do the reading beforehand. Uh, but the reading in this book we were going through started talking about the fruits of the Spirit, um, which for me is, made no sense. Spirit fruits, didn't get them. I didn't want them. I didn't know what that was about. And as my class started discussing, I realized like, oh, this is a kind of Christian thing. Like, this is something from the Bible. Like, I didn't know. Like, I'm really new to this whole faith idea. Um, and through that, we're talking about it. And, and halfway through the discussion, my teacher looks at me and she calls me out and says, hey, Johnny, you're the religious one, shouldn't you know this? And I sat there humiliated and dumbstruck that my teacher would say this. I think my face was just like, made one of these kind of faces. Like I was just so caught off guard about being called out by my teacher in an English class for my faith. It didn't even register what had happened. And then obviously as an 18 year old, uh, I handled this with grace and with humility and with love at least on the outside. But on the inside, there was a entire monologue going on of like, excuse me, 
You're gonna call me out in front of my friends? You're gonna tell me what I should or should not know? Who are you? What do you think's going on here? Like, are we fighting now? I think so. Am I gonna come back to this class? I don't know, I might never. Like, it was this entire thing where in my mind, I was so mad and shocked that she would call me out like this in front of my class. And it just, it made no sense. And a lot of times we don't like being called out. We don't like being put on blast. We don't like it when we are being known and shown that we didn't live up to certain expectations. What was even more shocking as a young believer was going then through the rest of that year and more with Jesus and realizing, oh wow, God calls me out all the time. That God does have expectations for us. He does have desires for how we live, how we think, how we act. And when we don't live into those expectations that God has set, he's going to call us out. And a lot of times it can come through our community of, of other believers saying, hey, that's not what God's calling you to. And other times it comes from the Holy Spirit bringing conviction and being like, I don't, I don't think God wants me to act like that right now. And so I want us to dive into a story in the book of Exodus where God's going to start calling out his people. And I just want to look at how does God call his people out? What does it look like? And how do we respond to that today? So I'm going to ask, take a moment right now, grab your Bible, join me in the scriptures. If you have your phone, open the, open the app, uh, the YouVersion app. We would love for you to follow along. I'm going to be in Exodus chapter 19. But while I'm like, while you're getting there, I'm going to give a little bit of background of the book of Exodus because it's kind of dense. There's a lot to it. And I want us to, be able to understand a little bit of what's going on before this passage starts. So Exodus is a book. It's about this tribe of Israel who is not actually being Israel. They are enslaved uh, to this other nation, Egypt. And for 400 years, they're enslaved. And for 400 years, they are abused, they are mistreated, they are manipulated, they're taken advantage of, they're beaten, they're tortured. Like for 400 years, so much injustice is happening to them. And during that entire time, they are calling out for God, asking him to come and rescue them. They've never heard God, they've never met God, and God doesn't show up in the way that they want him to. God waits 400 years for a man named Moses to come through. And so one day Moses shows up and he kind of comes to the elders of Israel and is like, hey, good news. God talked to me. Uh, I'm going to set you guys free. Like, let's get going. And obviously all of the Israelite leaders are skeptical. They're like, mm, God hasn't talked to us for 400 years. We're not going to just believe that he's talking to you now. Like, prove it. Like, show us God's talking to you. And so Moses is like, all right, like, you see my staff? Cool. He throws it on the ground. It becomes a snake. He picks it back up. It becomes a staff again. And he's probably expecting this big applause. And the Israelites are like, nah, like do another one. Like prove it again that God isn't speaking to you. So Moses is like, all right, cool. Like you see my hand. He puts it into his cloak. He pulls it back out and his hand is covered in leprosy. And then he puts it back in. He pulls it back out and his hand is completely healed. And again, he's probably expecting applause. Like, all right, this is the guy God's speaking through him. And the Israelites are like, Nah, like do it again. Like show us one more time that God is speaking to you. And so Moses goes and he grabs a jar of water from the Nile River. He brings it back to the elders. He dumps it out in front of them and it turns into blood before their eyes. And for some reason, that was the one where the Israelites were like, okay, yep, God's speaking through you. Like, let's do this. And so then God starts to display his power to the Israelites for the first time again. He starts doing these things that we call the 10 plagues. 
And slowly and slowly the plagues get worse and worse until Egypt is at the point where they're like, hey, Israelites, we don't want you anymore. Get out of our country. Please leave. Like, we're, we're done with this. So the Israelites leave. The Egyptians have a change of heart. They start chasing them and they get caught between the Egyptians and the Red Sea. And God tells Moses, hey, split the sea. I'm going to take care of the rest. Moses throws his staff in the ground, the waters move, the Israelites get through, the Egyptians are destroyed in the Red Sea, and for the first time in 400 years, the Israelites are free. They're no longer enslaved, they're no longer bound, they're no longer being controlled by another power. And Moses takes them to what they would assume is a random mountain, but Moses takes them to Mount Sinai. And that's where this passage picks up. And I want you to follow along. If you're with me, you have your Bibles open. I'm in verse three. Would love for you to join me here. It says this, Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. And although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So here it is, 400 years, God is finally speaking to his people. And the first thing he does is he calls them out. He says, hey, you're actually not just going to be a normal nation. You're going to be my treasured possession. You're going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to be a holy nation. Like, I am calling you out to be something better and something greater than anything else this world has seen. But what I want you to see here is that when God calls his people out, he is not calling them out and saying, hey, you should have been a kingdom of priests already. You should have been a holy nation. You should have been my treasured possessions. And a lot of times we think when God starts to convict us and God starts to call us out, that there is this level of should that God is saying, like, hey, you should be praying more. You should be trying more. You should be reading the scriptures more. And God doesn't call us out like that. Instead, God is going to say, hey, let me make you into something greater. Hey, let me help you become something more than what you are right now. Hey, you're not living into my expectations. Let me help you live into my expectations for you. So often the church loves and has this tendency to say, hey, God is telling us that we should or should not be doing this. And in reality, what would happen if we changed our perspective and started seeing that God is telling us, hey, this is what you can be. What if when the Spirit convicts you that you're not praying enough, it's not that, hey, you should be praying more. Rather, it's God saying, hey, I'm going to make you into a prayer warrior who prays for this city. What if when we get convicted of not caring about community, what God is actually saying is, hey, I'm going to make you into a small group leader who creates community within PCC. What if when we start getting convicted about our time in Scripture, like, I'm not reading enough. I should be reading more. Rather, God is saying, hey, I'm going to make you into a discipler who teaches students and the next generation how to read the scripture so that they can more faithfully follow Jesus. See, God is not satisfied with where we are. And when he calls us out to be something better, it's not like, hey, you should have been doing this already. No, God is saying, hey, let me go with you to this new place. Let me bring you to this new thing that I'm creating in you. When God calls you out, he's not saying what you should do. He's saying what you can be. 
But then the story continues. And God does the most unexpected thing the Israelites could have imagined. God shows up. Right, so he calls out his people. He says, hey, I'm going to make you into a kingdom of priests, a treasured nation, a holy nation. Like, that is what I'm going to make you into being. And then he's like, hey, Moses, get the Israelites ready. I'm coming down. I'm going to create, I'm going to ask you to set the people around the base of the mountain. Don't let them get too close, because if they get too close to this mountain, they're going to die. And if any animal touches this mountain, it's going to have to die. Like, just set them ready, because I'm going to come down. And for the first time in 400 years, the Israelites are going to hear God on their own. And they're going to see God for themselves. And this is how Exodus describes God coming down. I'm in verse 16. I would love for you to follow along. It said this, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder, and there was lightning, and with a thick cloud over the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast. And everyone in the camp trembled. And then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord descended on it in fire. And the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain, and so Moses went up. So God shows up with this massive display of power. He shows up with fire and with smoke. He shows up with grace and with mercy. He shows up with lightning and thunder, with, with love and with compassion. And the whole mountain begins to shake and tremble because it cannot contain the power of God, even just being on top of it. And if you're like, ah, I'm a visual learner. I don't know if I can really understand what's happening. I found this picture. And this picture is probably the closest thing that I could get to what is happening on Mount Sinai. And it's called volcanic lightning. And, and this in comparison to what God is doing is not even close. This is a portion of what the Israelites experienced. And if you're still like, I don't know if I fully get it. We don't have mountains here in the Bay Area. We have hills. We kind of think of them as mountains sometimes, but, but they're hills. But imagine driving back to PCC one day. And you see this image on top of PCC's hill. And you're like, man, I can't even cross Alameda right now because if I get too close to this hill, I'm going to die. Like God has descended upon PCC. This is what the Israelites are experiencing for the first time. And I can only imagine that after years of enslavement, where they saw certain power figures, where they had elders, when Moses came along, with the way they saw the gods of Egypt, and all these different constructs, all these different earthly things were abolished in a single moment because none of that compared to God. None of their experiences with the leadership of Egypt now compares with God. None of their experience with the elders, none of their experience, like, nothing that they experienced even comes close to comparing to this God. And I wonder how often do we in the church today allow things to compare to God? How often do we allow our earthly alliances to compare with what God has called us to? How often do we let the commandments of this world compare to the commandments of God? When in reality, they don't compare at all. The job title, the financial security, none of that compares to God. Being a Republican or a Democrat, that, that does not compare to God. 
That is the state of who God is. And yet so often we allow things in our world to start comparing to God. And I want to ask the question, what would happen if we lived in a world where the church knew that nothing compared to God? They knew that all of our personal preferences do not compare with God. But the series isn't just about us as individuals. Instead, it's about what would happen if the church as a whole started putting its kingdom allegiance over its earthly alliance. And so I have to ask, what does that mean for us as a whole body? Like, what does this mean for PCC? Well, there's another sermon that Jesus gives on another famous mountain. It's called Sermon on the Mount. And there Jesus calls his disciples the future church, the people that would lead after he's gone. He's saying, hey, you're going to be the light of the world. And you're going to be the salt of the earth. And this commandment, this expectation that we are meant to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth is still an expectation that God has for us today. And I would wonder, what would it look like if we as the church started going into conversations with people who disagree with us politically, people who disagree with us on sexuality or gender identity, people who disagreed with us on abortion or all lives matter. Like if people who disagree with us We came in saying, hey, I'm not going to be right in this conversation. I'm going to be the light of Christ in this conversation. Like, I'm going to come in knowing that I'm not even going to try to prove my point. I'm going to come in saying, hey, my number one priority is to reveal the light of Christ to this person in this conversation. Right? Because there's no doubt that our world is broken. There's no doubt that our world is full of darkness, that it is divisive, that it has become an us versus them mentality. And yet as a church, we have the ability, we have the right, and we have the expectation to come into conversations like that and say, hey, I'm going to be the light of Christ today. Or we're going to be the salt of the earth. And we're going to add flavor. And a lot of times that flavor means I'm going to come in with, with love and compassion, but also truth. I'm going to come in with mercy. I'm going to come in with grace. I'm going to come in with with Christ at the center of this conversation. My hope is as we continue throughout this series, as we continue to dive into it and understand, hey, what, what is God doing in our lives? What is God doing in PCC? As we go through the series, and Gary's going to say, hey, next week we're going to be talking about, hey, what are you called into just like the Israelites were called into exile. And then we're going to look at the teachings of Jesus. And then we're going to look at the book of Revelation. We're going to do the entire narrative of scripture, but always coming back to saying, how are we putting our kingdom allegiance over our earthly alliance? How are we putting our priority as being the light of Christ in this world rather than being right? See, each of us have our own sphere of influence. Students, man, if you are on your campuses and your peers and your friends, they're being shaped by these questions daily. You get the chance to come in and say, hey, I'm going to be the light of Christ. Well, my friends are still processing. Parents, adults, you have your jobs, you have your neighborhoods, you have your roommates. We all have an opportunity to lay down our personal preference, to lay down our earthly alliances and to come into conversation saying, hey, I'm going to be the light of Christ in this conversation. And sometimes we don't know what that means. And that's okay. That's the process of looking more like Jesus. Hey, and maybe today, right now, you're feeling convicted. You're like, man, I, I have put being right over being the light of Christ. 
My priorities have been on my earthly agenda rather than on my kingdom alliance. And what I want to remind you in this moment, that God is not saying, hey, you should have been better. You should have known this. You should have already been the light of Christ. No, what he's saying is right now in this moment, hey, let me help make you into the light of Christ. I'm going to make you the salt of the earth. I hope, I hope we leave this time feeling encouraged of what God can be doing in our city when we put our kingdom allegiance first. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you. And Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you would continue to push out your spirit, that you continue to soften hearts, that you would continue to bring conviction, that in all of this, you would come back saying, hey, this is what I'm calling my church, Peninsula Covenant Church, into. This is where I want them to be. These are the expectations I have, and this is how I'm going to get you there. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. I pray all of this in your good, and your holy, and your all-powerful name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.